Hey, good morning. Um, just thinking about the festival, and I've been thinking about this uh, the last few days about having boldness. You know, we, we're having, you know, hundreds of people come to us out here on the property. But, you know, uh, if we just give them a hot dog and um, maybe a ride on the, uh, the water slide and, and they go home, they don't know, why are we doing this? What's the message that we have? And so I think each one of us needs to, to pray. Paul prayed and he asked them to, to bless him with boldness. Paul wanted that prayer. And then you read other places where it says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they, and they spoke boldly. And so for, for us, we want, we want that boldness. You know, it was, you know, for me to get up here and speak about Jesus and be bold as anything, I can do that. But, but to go out there and say something to somebody, it, it's, it's harder. So it's not just you, but it's me as well. It's all of us to be bold. And, and even if you just say, God bless you, you know, it speaks in Numbers chapter, chapter 6 about the, the priestly blessing. And it says that they said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, that blessing. It says, and when they did that, they, they, they like put the, the name of the Lord upon these people. And so for us, you know, I try to say it when I uh, talk to different people, uh, you know, representatives on the phone, though if I get angry, it's hard for me to say, uh, God bless you with his customer service representative. But, you know, how hard is it to say, God bless you? The Lord bless you. Uh, one more thing about that. Uh, Lou was, Friday night we had prayer, and Lou was, was telling us a story when he had a stroke. It was, what, eight years? Eight years ago, and he was in the hospital with a stroke, and he couldn't speak at all. And he heard uh, there was a, a gal there who was Hindu, and, and they come up from a Hindu, mainly Hindu country, right? And, and uh, this woman was considering converting from Hinduism to Islam. And, of course, Lou, that just got him so stirred up, and he wanted to tell her, no, 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 you need to convert to Christianity to come to Jesus. But he couldn't speak at all. He tried. So it made me think, you know what? You and I, we, we, don't, we can speak. The words can come out. So let's just do it. Let's just do it. Don't hold back. Uh, Pastor Joe's here today. Do you want to say anything, Joe? Pastor Joe is the other, you know, main sending church from Connecticut, and he just kind of surprised us today. I told him I would have had him preach, and I, I could have had, you know, some time off. But <laughs> anyways, let's open our Bibles to, let's start in Hebrews chapter 11 first. As you know, uh, we've been using Hebrews as our kind of template to look at the book of Genesis and, and through the Old Testament as well, talking about people who had faith. And so, so let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 first, and then, and then we're going to turn back to Genesis chapter 6 uh, after that. So last week we talked about walking with God, and, I, and it's such an important subject that this idea of daily walking and talking with God, that, it's, that, that that's what you and I are called to do, to walk with Him. And we, 
we, we know when we walk with somebody, we're, we're like heading together in the same direction. I was, I was with uh, one of my grandkids the other day, and, and she was like walking like way behind me. And I said, no, you're supposed to be walking here next to me. And I was thinking about, you know, what we had talked about. And I said, you know, you're not in Japan, you know, where the women walk like way behind the men or something. That's what they used to do anyways. I said, no, you're supposed to be right here next to me. And, and walking with God, this is, this is the idea that we walk side by side with him. We looked at this guy Enoch, and, and what a character uh, this guy Enoch is. It says that he walked with God 300 years. 300 years. Now, in 300 years, you would know that he faced a lot of different stuff, a lot of ups and downs, right? He, he faced a lot of different things. It wasn't all an easy ride, but he walked with God 300 years. And it was a world that was full of violence. It was a world full of vice and much like our world today. As we're going to see. But Enoch walked with God. It says then he was no more because God took him right into glory. The prophet Micah put this on the screen for you. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is what's good. What's good in life? To walk humbly with our God. So looking here now in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, by faith Noah... It says, when he was warned about things not yet seen, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This man Noah, he's here, we we call this the hall of faith, men and women uh, who believed, who trusted, who put their faith in God. And I really believe that our faith puts us in that same list. You know, it's a very long list, Hebrews chapter 11, but it wasn't just those people. You and I are in that hall of faith as well, if we have trusted and put our, our faith in Jesus Christ. Puts us in that list. Now, Noah, looking at this verse, it says that he was warned about things not yet seen. There was something coming, and God warned him about it. What was that that God warned Noah about? The flood, right? Very easy to, to understand that. We, we talk about Noah, and, and now when I look at the Word of God, I don't see just kind of a fable or some kind of story, some kind of myth. This is, this is an account, right? And some churches you'll go to, they talk about the Bible in terms of different kind, you know, they, they look at it all differently. But this is an account of what actually happened. Now, Noah was warned about things that weren't yet seen. Now, I've already uh, talked about Enoch walking with God, but Noah, it also says in the book of Genesis that Noah walked with God. So I was just thinking about this yesterday. You've got, you got Noah walking with God. They're heading in the same direction. And, and then God says to They're talking to each other, communicating, which is what we do when we walk together, right? And God says to him, Noah. And Noah says, yes. Now, this is all in my own kind of speculation, of course. And God God says to him, Noah, I, I want you to build an ark. And Noah said, 
Yeah, like what's an ark? What's an ark? They live in, you know, in a kind of a landlocked area. What, what in the world is an ark? I, I don't even know, you know it's, it, what it is that you're talking about. But God said, I want you to build an ark. And he began to describe it. We're going to read about that in Genesis 6. And so, can you imagine? But in faith, it says that he did what God told him to do. He was warned about what was coming. He listened to God. And he did what God told him to do. Now, was it an easy thing that God told him to do? Absolutely not. Now, thinking back just a second, uh, Cain was also warned. You remember that? Cain was warned. You watch out what's happening here. God warned him, but he didn't listen, and it didn't go well. Noah, on the other hand, was warned, and he took heed. He listened, and he did what God asked him to do. Notice it says there that in holy fear, Noah built an ark. In holy fear, there was just something about his relationship with God. Yeah, he walked with him, and it was, it was a, a friendship, but it was also the fact that God was God. And there was this holy fear of God, which, which the Bible tells us the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to live a wise life, the first thing to start with is, is to have a holy fear of who God is. But Noah, it says that he built an ark. There was no flood before. In fact, they, they say that maybe there, there had not even been any rain before this. Back in chapter 2, it talks about a mist that watered the earth. So it's very possible they, they hadn't even actually had rain, but God said, it's going to rain, and I want you to build an ark. And this is, this is going to be the means of saving, of salvation. Can you imagine what others thought about Noah? At that point in time, what'd they think about him? Yeah, he was a nut. Matthew Henry said it's like Noah's folly. Spurgeon said, oh, mad old man, how can you play the fool on such a huge scale as to build a three-decked vessel of vast dimension where no waters can ever come? Just imagine but again, applying that to ourselves, when you and I live by faith and we follow after God and we, we seek to live and obey him, what do people around us think? The religious nut. You know, we're in a, we're, we're in a world today where we're, if you and I speak up the truth about God and about you know, his plan for, for, for us and for, for every man, woman, and child, People will persecute you. This is not an easy world that we live in. Yeah, you can meet some nice people, but it's not just America. We live in a sin, uh, a sinful world that are rejecting God. And, and as we're going to see in Genesis, it's not, it's not too much different from what it was then. Matthew Henry said this too. He said, Noah didn't dispute with God why he should make an ark. At least we don't have that in the account. Nor how could it be capable of containing what was to be lodged in it. Nor how could such a vessel possibly weather out so great a storm. His faith silenced all objections and set him to work. He trusted God. He had faith in God. 
Looking at the account, you know, there, there's so much, and we're going to read a lot of verses, and we'll go quickly, but there's so much you could look at, but, but I want to focus on this idea that, that Noah had faith, and it was his faith that made his life different. It's your faith, it's my faith that, that changes how we look at life, how we function in this world. Notice it says there kind of why he did it. It says, in holy fear, he built an ark. It said, what? What does it say there? To save his family. He took steps. Why? Because, because God said, this is the only way that you can save your family. This is the only way that you can be saved is by building this ark. And so he's willing to obey and he's willing to follow God's plan. But there's something in that about his family, you know. Noah, the father, he had... He had children, he had a wife, but Noah said, you know what, I, I, I want to do whatever I need to do, whatever I can to, to save my family, that my family would be rescued. I think that in itself is something to be emulated, to follow, to follow after. What do I do to save my family? It's not easy raising a family in this day and age. I read this morning about, you know, a school board in California where the where the, the head of the school board is, is receiving horrible uh, threats. Why? Because that school board uh, passed a, a rule that, that the teachers would have to give notification to the children's parents about certain things. The, you know, they, they didn't want to have to tell the parents what was going on with their child. So they're trying to create this wall between the parents and their, and their children. It's kind of scary, isn't it? It was never that way 15, 20 years ago. Noah was, do, excuse me, was doing what he needed to do to save his family. Notice it says then, after that, by his faith that he condemned the world. And, and that's an interesting phrase as well. You know, they, they wouldn't listen to him. They felt the, the condemnation. Why? Because Noah, it says in 2 Peter, that he was a preacher of righteousness. Noah didn't just build the ark, but he also spoke. He was a preacher of righteousness. And, and this, world, this word righteousness means to be right with. In fact, some... Translated right wiseness. But it means primarily not that you live this perfect righteous life, but that you are right with God. And he was a preacher of righteousness. He lived for God. He walked with God. He wanted people to be right with God. But they wouldn't listen. It didn't stop him, though. It was a very long time. Paul the Apostle talks about us as Christians, as believers in this world, that, that, that Christ spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. There's like something that comes from our lives. He says, for some, we are the fragrance of death. And to others, it says, we are the fragrance of life. Why? Because some are willing to listen. And it, to, to them, it's like a, it's like a fresh air hearing about Christ and what God can do in our lives. But to others who reject it, says, you know, that, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear any about that. 
By faith, Noah became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And it's this idea of being right with God. And it's not our righteousness. It's not, you know, that we are so righteous that God has to accept us. Again, Paul the Apostle says that, that he didn't have a righteousness of his own that comes from the law or from the works of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. How do you get right with God? You go to church, right? You put money in. You never swear. You never drink. You don't chew gum. You know, there's a whole list of things, right, that makes you right with God. Isn't that how it works? I've got a waterfront property to sell you in Arizona. (laughs) Seafront, oceanfront. It comes by faith in God, always, from the beginning of the book to the very end of the book. It's not by our works because we'd never get there. It's not all about rules. It's about walking with God and trusting in Him, believing in Him. That's what faith is. So Noah, he, he had been warned about this flood and, and the coming judgment. But, but isn't it also true that you and I, we've been warned, and the New Testament warns us again and again and again that judgment is coming to this planet. Let me read to you from 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter talks about it. He says here in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, He says this, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? The coming of Jesus that he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water, and by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. He's talking about the flood of Noah. He goes on to say, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. He goes on to say, though, that that he's patient. He wants us to come to repentance. He doesn't want us to perish. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So, so Peter talks about it, but, but Jesus talked about it as well. The judgment is coming to this planet. Why is judgment coming to this planet? You see, we talk about God being a God of love, yes, but, but he's also a just judge. In this planet, he judged it back then in Genesis chapter 6, but he says he's going to judge it again in a different way, but he, he will come and judge it again. Let's turn now to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to go very quickly through some of these verses so you can kind of put them together with this account in Hebrews chapter 11, I was thinking about this idea of the narrow path and the wide path. 
and thinking about what happened here with, with Noah, uh, who walked with God, it was a very narrow path, and in the end, how many people survived? Out of, we don't know how many people were on the earth, but only a, a very small number. It was only eight, right? Only eight survived. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. We'll start in verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created, which gives him the right, from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. Same, we talk about grace being God's favor, God's undeserved favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he was so good? No, the next verse says, that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. That's what made the difference. He walked with God, and in Hebrews 11, tells us he had faith in God. He found favor, not because he was perfect, did everything right, but, but he had a heart after God. That's the dividing line, a heart after God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, was full of violence. Much like our world today, God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. God says judgment is coming. He told Noah about this as they walked together. That wasn't an easy message that, that God was telling Noah. It wasn't an easy thing what, which God was asking Noah to do. Verse 14, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it, coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. That's pretty large, isn't it? This picture here is, is a, a, a drawing that somebody made. But this one here, it kind of looks like a drawing, but that's an actual picture of what they call the ark encounter, which has been built in Kentucky. And these are real people right here. So you can kind of get a, an idea, right, of, the, of how immense this is. In fact, uh, Tony and Sue and his family, they went to Kentucky. Where are you, Tony? Right here. He, he brought back this uh, replica of the Ark Encounter. And he even sent me a picture. I don't have it here today but with them in front of the Ark. Uh, this one's actually even signed by Ken Ham. Is that amazing? Wow. Yeah, right. What's important, though, is that, that how big this was. And again, what Noah was asked to do, he wasn't asked to make a little arky-arky, right? 
He was asked to build an incredibly large vessel. That's insane. Verse 17, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then he talked about bringing all the animals in as well. In verse 22, it says this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That's a heart of faith. Yeah, we have faith and that's what makes us uh, right with God and that's where we begin. But, but obedience kind of comes out of our faith. We believe and then we act. James says, you know, show me your faith by how you live and by what you do. Can people see it around us? They, they may not like it. Like in Noah's case, it says that the world around, you know, they, they were condemned by how he lived, by what he said, by what he did, by this ark that was there. They saw that they go, wow, that thing... They were making fun of him, but, but it also condemned them because that was the only way to be saved at that time. Obedience. How long was he called to obey? How long did it take to build that ark? We don't know exactly, but, but when you look at some of the verses about this, chapter 5, chapter 7, chapter 6, it, it, it was somewhere between 100 and 120 years. That's a long time. You had to, to be obedient for over 100 years. Now, okay, they lived to you know, 900 years, so that's still about one-tenth of his life. We live to be 70, one-tenth is like seven years. Seven years he was, you know, building and doing one-tenth of his life. He was being obedient, doing what God called him to do. The great pre uh, preacher Spurgeon said this, that Noah preached for 120 years and not one person was ready to go with him into the ark except his family. He believed for 120 years. And they called him a pessimist, an alarmist. Some of the things that we say in our lives, people say, oh, you're just an alarmist. You're like a, you know, you've got the conspiracy thing going on. No, there's no conspiracy. This is what God has said is going to happen to the world that we need to repent. And the only way to be right with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only ark that we have. But God's time was coming, and, and, and Noah's, Noah's family was saved. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. Then, then the Lord said to Noah, this version says, go into the ark, but, but the New King James Version says, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. He says, come into the ark. It's like an invitation. Come. He still says that today. Jesus says it today. Come unto me. This is the first invitation from God. The only way to be saved, the only way of, of safety. And, it's, and, and the word is like, you got that idea of it's an imperative. Come. This is the only way. Come. 
Enter in. Verse 4, seven days from now I'll send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'll wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. Verse 5 again it says, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He did it all. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, they entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood and the animals all joined as well. So they went in, they, they responded to that invitation. Jesus says it to us each and every day, come unto me, all ye that labor, heavy laden, come unto me, I'll give you rest, I'll give you what you need. But are we listening? We talk about all those people, they wouldn't listen, but are you and I listening? It's so much easier to talk about them but what about me? Jesus is saying it today. Come unto me. And it rained 40 days and 40 nights. You know, we've seen lots of disasters in the news, even recently, but nothing was in comparison to what's going on here in the book of Genesis. 600 years old, never too late, though, and they went into the ark. Verse 10, it says this, and after... The seven days, the flood, the floodwaters came on the earth. So, so they went into the ark, but they still had a whole, a whole week of waiting inside the ark. A whole week. Like I said last time, we don't like waiting five minutes to, to see something happen. But the floodwaters, they came. The springs of the great deep, they they burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were open. Verse 16, it says, the last part of verse 16, then the Lord shut him in. The Lord closed the door. At some point, the door was closed, and it, God has, you know, uh, the, the time schedule. You know, we don't know the time schedule, but God knows the time schedule. And at that point in time, he says, it's done, over, close the door. No one else is coming in. And judgment came, and, and, and they all perished, but Noah and those who were with him in the ark. They only survived if they entered the ark. Chapter 8. Verse 1, but God remembered Noah. Not that he forgot him. That just means he's paying attention to him right now. And, and, and God dried up the earth. Jump down to chapter 8, verse 15. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your, son, your wife and your sons and their wives, and bring out every kind of living creature. Come out of the ark. Do you know how long they were in the ark? Anybody know? It's about a year. About a year inside the ark, floating, and then, and then there was even a period of time where they weren't floating anymore, but the, the water was still upon the earth. They were on a higher section. A year inside that ark. Can you imagine that? With a bunch of animals? But what made the difference for Noah? It was his faith. He trusted God. 
He believed God, that God had a plan. God had a purpose, and God was going to do something. Verse 18, So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives and all the animals and, and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds and everything that moves on the earth. They came out of the ark one kind after another. So they came out. Noah, the, Noah you know, they opened the door. They came out. So you can imagine being inside a boat. Now, I have to confess to you, I get very seasick in boats. You know, if I go out on a boat, you know, a little speed boat in the bay, that's one thing. But out on the ocean there with the you know, rocking of the waves, you know, it just, there's only one thing I can think of. You know what that is? Get me back onto dry land. That's all I can think about. Going from the side of the boat to the middle of the boat, back and forth, all I can think about. So you'd think, you know, they're out on this boat. What's, what's the first thing that they would do? Kiss the ground. Right? Uh, you being in a boat for that long, that's the first thing that, that I would do. Kiss it. I'm so glad to be, I'd lay on the ground. I'm so glad to be back on the ground. What's the first thing that Noah does? Look at verse 20, chapter 8. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. That's what the first thing he did. He worshiped. He, he, he gave thanks to God. He built an altar to Yahweh, the, the, the one true God. God got him through that. God gets us through trials. And what's the first thing we need to do is give thanks to him, to worship him. The Lord's response here in verse 21, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. And he said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. He made this promise never to destroy again in that way. Chapter 9, we're not going to look at chapter 9, but, but basically it's a brand new beginning. It says, God blessed Noah and his son, saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. It's a brand new beginning. Gave him the sign of the covenant. What is that sign? The rainbow. It's a sign of the covenant between God and Noah. Jesus said this, Luke chapter 17, he said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. He makes a comparison. Jesus now is talk, talking about this. It's just going to be just like that. He says people were eating, drinking, marrying, being given marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It's going to be just like that. God, it's going to happen. The day of the Lord, like a thief in the night. But, but there was a whole lot of time. Again, this time of Noah preparing the ark. And as Peter said, you know, uh, the patience of God. And, you know, why hasn't it happened yet? We say to God, why, why haven't you come for us yet? But, but it was a period of time, a long period of time. With the day 
with the Lord, you know, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, it says there in Second Peter. But Warren Wearsby said this, Today God warns that judgment is coming, but few listen, and even fewer believe. Judgment is coming upon this planet. It's real. God is a just judge. But God's given us the way out. God's given us this ark. God's given us the way to security, to salvation, to safety. It's his son, Jesus. And most of you in this room have already made that decision to come to Jesus Christ and and follow him. And he's going to get you through and he's going to give you these, you know, these brand new beginnings in life. And then one day we'll be in heaven and it's a, a brand new beginning, a brand new life that will go on forever and ever and ever. And we'll eat of the tree of, of life. But sad to say there are many and maybe even some in this room today who have not taken that invitation not accepted it, and and we know it, people in our families, people that we know, our neighbors, and we tell them, and our lives are there before them, and and they seem to maybe make fun of us sometimes, Or, or maybe they just put up with us. But Jesus says the same today, and at the very end of the book, it says this, In Revelation chapter 22, a couple verses from the end. He just got through talking about the lamb. And it says here, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let those who hear say, come. Let those who are thirsty come and let all who wish, all who wish take the free gift of the water of life. The the invitation is the same. The invitation to Noah, come into the ark. The invitation to you and I today, come to Jesus to be saved and also to live each and every day, to walk with him, to talk with him. And and he tells us that we are his own. You and I, today, this, this account is radical, very, very radical. But you know what? As Jesus said, it's just like today. And the only way to be saved, to be safe, to be right, is to be one of his through his son, Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious heavenly father, we thank you for your word, but most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And Jesus, you said it, that apart from you, there's no way to be right with the father. But Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth and the life. I thank you how you saved me uh, so many years ago and, and you have worked in my life and it's been a long, a long uh, journey, but, but the inheritance that I have waiting in heaven, the, the home in heaven that I have waiting because you promised it to, to me. You promised that to each and every one and and so many in this room that have said yes to Jesus. Father, I pray, I pray for that boldness to let others know, our families, our friends, as we pray for them, as we speak to them, the people here on this property coming in a few days on Saturday to, to let them know that Jesus is alive, that Jesus loves them and that Jesus has 
made a way for us to go to heaven to be right with God. Give us that holy boldness, Lord, we pray. Pray you'd also and help us to live for you and be obedient uh, to you in these in these very difficult days in the in, in the in the violence of this world, the vice of this world, for us to be lights. Protect us from the enemy. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Father, if there's anybody here today maybe that that needs to, to, to take this moment and say yes to your son Jesus, Father, let them know how much you love them. If that's you today, simply open your heart and life and say, Jesus, I... I need you. I want you. I I want everything that you have for me. And so I ask you to come into my life. Come into my heart today. And save me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and, and sing together, please.